0: Drop the beat. When, when, uh. when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Yeah. Season two. Episode 16, the Master Keys Podcast. I'm Chandler Halliburton. I'm Neil Andrino. Thanks for following along. Thanks for listening. Been crazy week. A lot of engagement online. Super pumped about it. This is episode 16. I think I said that. Yeah. Um, and today we got a guest, Sarah Larby. Super cool story. Very impressive investor out of Ontario.
1: Um, She started with a full-time job, got into it, bought a few properties, and she used a little different strategy. In the same sense, she did the buy, renovate, refinance setup, but she used short and midterm rentals to really elevate her game and allow her to actually walk away from her job and then focus on what she's doing. So we're going to bring her on. She's going to explain all of that, what she has to offer, and then we're going to go over a bunch of stuff uh, that the government's proposing right now and the the Liberal government's offering and saying that's going to help fix the market or cool the market or make it easier for people to buy in. Uh, so we want to get her take on it where she's in Ontario and they probably have one of the most aggressive, uh, aggressive markets in Canada. Uh, so we can kind of yeah. see what she thinks.
0: Uh, it's super cool. Again, like you said, she was working a standard nine to five job. She started with one little rental property and then got more and then got some short terms, went a little bit more towards cottage country and is doing kind of a uh, midterm, like not nightly, but maybe, you know, a month stay and, and finding that really lucrative. And that's allowing her to get into some uh, kind of, Cottage development projects and she just purchased 22 unit building the other day. So very cool. And I think for those of you out there who are interested in short term rentals, uh, and just want to hear another story of how someone else did it. um, And, you know, just a practical example of how you can start off small and in a very short period of time do some pretty cool things. She was able to quit her job, her partner now may be leaving, leaving his job as well. And uh, it's, it's awesome, we love seeing stories like this because we both believe that real estate empowers people to have freedom in their life. And so, yeah, Sarah Larby, and we're going to have links below to all of her um, her social media. And, and, and she's getting in now to coaching and, and lecturing and having these resorts. So, if you're interested in a resort this August, too, she's going to have information about that a real estate resort. So we'll bring her on now. Okay, we're going to dive right in here. Uh, our guest today, Sarah Larby. Sarah, why don't we start with uh, you telling us a bit, or our listeners rather, a bit about yourself and what you do and how you got to this point.
2: Awesome. So I will say thank you for having me on The Tables Are Turned. You guys were on my podcast recently as well. So I, uh, I'm in the hot seat today. Um, yeah. But I am a real estate investor, real estate developer. Uh, I started. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now and uh, started in 2013. Um, I'm, you know, I love the birth strategy. So I have a, a lot of that. I'm also working on a resort and many things in between also a podcast host, uh, TV host of the everyday investor. Um, and, you know, co founder of the right club and, and all of the good stuff that involves real estate investing and, uh, and also teaching others along the way,
0: all of which will link in our however we figure this out. The team will link all that stuff too in this video so people can check it out because there's so much awesome stuff going on with that. Um, What were you doing before that?
2: I've been in sales for 20 years, or no, 10 years prior to that. And then I went to school for nursing prior to that. Uh, Graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and decided to go into sales because I wanted to be able to create my own income. Uh, And so many, many different corporate types of sales jobs uh, you know, last, last five years, I was, uh, with a great company, Lavazza, um, coffee, love coffee. Um, <laughs> and uh, then realized it was, it was time to go and, uh, leave the nine to five in corporate world. And it was the best decision I've ever made.
1: And I was creeping you in a little bit. You maintained that job though, for a bit while getting into real estate investing and while starting all of this.
2: Yeah. So I started, uh, in 2013, I was working at a different company and, uh, you know, started acquiring properties as I was still working full time and October 2020 realized that I was good to go. (laughs) I didn't have a plan. I was just like, okay, this is, you know, it was, I was on my dock having some wine. It was like probably June or something along those lines and looked through, you know, okay, what do I have in terms of like income coming in? What's my net worth? And Am I where I want to be? And it just made sense to be at that point where my job was getting in the way of my real estate. It was getting in the way of my lifestyle. And I'm like, I I did real estate to be able to do something and have that freedom early rather than work for 30 plus years. So I, you know, gave my notice. I I gave them lots of notice. I was, you know, six months probably uh, from the time that I made the decision told my boss uh, to the time that I officially, uh, you know, my last day was October 1st of 2020. So, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because I didn't know what I was going to even get into development when I left or different things or build a resort or any of that stuff. It's just, I knew that, uh, you know, this was keeping, keeping me from achieving my lifestyle goals and, and bigger goals as well.
1: Yeah. And you would establish something so you could make that move. You didn't just make the jump prior to be having like a backing and an income that you could support yourself with. Um, yeah. you've alluded to this twice now. And I I'm super curious, the resort, mm-hmm. can you flush that out a little bit and, and tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so uh, I bought this piece of land, negotiated a vendor take back in. I want to say it was March of 2021. Closed on it in uh, just last. I want to say it was last July or end of June, June 29th. Um, and it's just six acres of land. We're pure up? land uh, in the in the Kawartha, so in Ontario, uh, in, a, in a little town called Coboconk, and it was you know oh. 1.1 for. Yeah. yeah. Small, small, town, small town. Yeah. Even people yeah. in don't necessarily know it, but you say Kawarthas are like, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, you know, prior to that, I was actually what piqued my interest. I ended up seeing another piece of land that had some trailers on it. And I'm like, Oh, we can do some like little tiny homes and this and that. Um, and that was on the floodplain, So it didn't work, but I, I started looking for the right zoning and, and this piece of land came about, it was on the, on the MLS, on the market mm-hmm. and uh, negotiated and bought it. Uh, and now we are building a boutique resort. So it's going to be a five-year plan. Um, this yeah. summer we're going to have cottages. We're going to do three every single year. And then we also bought an acre next to it. We're going to build a bigger cottage there, oh, sure. but it's one of those fun projects. Like I always wanted to do something creative. Uh, you know, real estate can be super fun. It should be boring for the majority of it, but once in a while you could do a super fun project. Uh, and this is, you know, this is one of those, but, uh, we're going to theme them all differently inside. So they're going to have a theme. They're going to be like nice and upscale. We're going to do some retreats, like real estate investor and entrepreneur retreats, corporate events. Very cool.
1: That's super cool. Yeah.
2: So, have you
1: been in short-term yeah. rentals before that? Had you done any before? Or is this like a complete and total dive, a new, a new world for you?
2: No, I, I love the short-term, mid-term stuff. I mean, I think, you know, that is one of the reasons that I was able to boost my cash flow to leave a little bit earlier. Um, You know, some of the uh, cottages, you know, like, for example, in, in the Kawarthas, they were giving me seven fifty uh, a night, uh, high season, as an example. So that mm-hmm. helps a lot. Nice, um, wow, and, and love it. <laughs> it. Um, and then I, I also have a couple of midterm units uh, as well that that are probably some of the best cash flowing properties I have because there's a lot of people that are in between houses, they're doing construction, or they have a you know an insurance claim, and they need a place to live for like yeah, thirty days. Totally. Time. A few
0: thousand bucks a uh, month is pretty, yeah, easy to hit.
2: It's a, it's a huge, so that's a huge cash flow boost. So that the midterm rental, I don't charge seven fifty. That's more for like the waterfront stuff. Yeah. um But I'll t- I'll tell you, you know, you could do like if I, I just look at my last three months on a, a house in Burlington, I have, for example, um and each unit is bringing you know about three thousand to thirty five hundred bucks a month, yeah. uh, and it's pretty much solid. Again, you have to be in the right area, you have to be mm-hmm. in the right spot. But that entire, you know, that's a basement is a one bedroom. The top floor is a two bedroom. I can't get that long-term.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: no way. Just to to take one little step back um, because again, to to catch some people up onto, uh, uh, onto your background. So what was the first property you bought?
2: Yeah, it was a little tiny bungalow that's maybe 450 square feet built from the 1800s. Somehow it still stands. It was the cheapest thing I could find back then. Um, and uh, that's that's how we got started. Put the 20% down and figured out, okay, well, my husband was not keen on doing this in the beginning, uh, mostly because uh, you know he's a police officer and, and saw the worst of the worst of many people, including tenants. So we started off with his sister and she was our first tenant. Made all the mistakes in the book. I'm like, hey, how much can you afford to pay? And then oh. she's like, this is the cost. I'm like... Sounds good. I know I'm cashing, but I I was, you know, we didn't even know what we didn't know back then, and we learned so much along the way. Made lots of mistakes along the way, and and ironically, she was the one that never paid on time and trashed the place that we had to re renovate once she (laughs) left. Oh Oh, no! Now wasn't so good back then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, not. I'm not at all surprised to hear that, man. (laughs) So you went from that was just a, a single-family home, and then what if you kind of quickly give Straight a synopsis Straight buying of, a resort. Yeah, how you went from there to eventually resort, and you were also mentioning a 22-unit that you just picked up this month. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I was working full time. So back in the day we were doing the buy and hold and then it got more competitive. So we started doing some renos, and then went from renos to doing some conversions and the burst strategy. And then I, I just realized that there was a way to do this a lot faster. And that was the burst strategy, right? Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Uh, and then started turning some of those into short-term midterm rentals. Uh, bought a few cottages. And, uh, you know, by the time that I had left, Um, you know, between the tenants turning over, because obviously the screening piece is important, but that market rents going uh, up and the midterm rentals plus the short-term rentals, it was good enough. I think I had, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14 uh, units of my own at the point that I decided to leave. Um, And then after I left, um, found a a mentor um, who actually was on my podcast and I'm like, Hey, can I, you know, can I hire you? And he didn't do this back then to learn about development and so we ended up having, uh, you know, some, some time go through going through it. And then I found this great piece of land we're building uh, six two-unit townhomes on. Uh, and, uh, and then the resort was, you know, one of three development projects um, that I came across. And, you know, when you don't have a lot of experience in something and somebody's got 30-plus years of experience, you invite them in for the ride, <laughs> which is essentially what I did for that. Uh, and then just recently... Um, you know, I have a a couple friends. We decided to partner together just to scale a lot more, uh, one's a BCIN designer, one's a contractor with like 30 plus people on his team. And for me, my lifestyle was super important. Um, and so I think like that is a, you know, a good partnership because I could still hang out at the cottage. Um, you know, I I can bring some JV partners or, or people or money into the deal. Um, and they do a lot of the heavy lifting while I can still, you know, be remote, be at the cottage, you know, for me. Um, I think we were talking about uh, this before, but, you know, May, May 2, 4 to Labor Day, I'm on the dock. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be working on anything that involves me being indoors. So podcasts and webinars and that kind yeah. of stuff. But, you know, ultimately, the the cottage just came from one of the development opportunities that um, that we came across. on NLS.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So you were working your nine to five. Uh, you started with a very small property and then got another, and then got into the short-term rentals. Once you hit about 13, you realize you had enough cash flow that you could actually leave your, your nine to five job. And then you've gotten a little bit more into land here and brought on a couple partners to help you scale in that direction. So that's good development going on. Yeah. I mean, people are going to love hearing that because it, you know, you're a real normal person able to do
1: these things. And I think that's really inspiring to other people who are looking to do the same. Um, The short term, I was going to say the short terms, I feel like we're a big part of your ability to do that. Like just to kind of harp on that, because we really haven't talked much about it, um, but it sounds like that. And for us, like our cash flow is made through our jobs and we have maintained those jobs through this whole process. But I think what you're doing actually might be smarter and might allow you to scale at a faster pace now because you can focus purely on the real estate. Just a quick last question I'll ask before we start going into the, some of the questions we had outlined for you. Um, and the Mm -hmm. topics we wanted to hit, are you managing your short-term rentals yourself or do you have, like, is there a third-party company handling it?
2: No, I actually self-manage everything. And I I think if you have the right systems in place and the right people in, you know, in those areas, it Mm -hmm. can be, you know, a lot easier than a lot of people are thinking. So if you find a a really good cleaner, which, you know, I'm, you know, I, I had to go through a few. Uh, depending on, on where the locations are but if you have to have somebody that can do like some like minor maintenance as, as well as like some of the yard work as well as like replenishing the stock like it can be very easy to just you know not give away 20 to 25 percent because that's the rate that it's going right short-term mid-term rentals
1: yeah. and you're paying some
2: percent. Yeah. so you know communicating with those those clients um accepting and rejecting the ones by the way like you can reject anyone for anything like i rejected some people because there's too many people that that wanted to rent, and I'm like, I can do that. You got to be very careful how you do it from a long term standpoint. But because you know this is not part of the residential tenancies act or the landlord and tenant rules, uh, you can essentially accept and decline uh, whoever you want. But uh, you know it, it can be done. Yes, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can you can hire it out. But ultimately, like I don't think it takes in the grand scheme of things of everything I do. It takes maybe I don't know, in total four hours a month. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, systems are everything, and I can tell. Like, I couldn't help but notice you've got your books color coded back there. So um, <laughs> probably I like got very type that type of personality, <laughs> which which is great. Uh, it's certainly a skill you need to have. So, how many of your properties are more rural, for lack of a better term?
2: Um, I mean, the the Kawarthas are essentially where I do the developments. That's where the cottages are. That's where the resort's going to be. Um, and so, you know, all the stuff from like the last two years minus the the new stuff that we just bought this this last month is is in the coarthas my prior uh portfolio um is in ontario so like in uh you know brantford and hamilton i'm sure you guys have heard of hamilton Mm -hmm. uh burlington so kind of like the west end of the gta into the like you know uh, right two two hours from from toronto uh or less but um they're not like super rural like even the are. I mean, they're developing quite a bit. It's still close to Peterborough. Peterborough's, you know, growing. So it's not like in the middle of nowhere. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you got a wider range there because it's such a big area of the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Awesome. All right, we're going to dive into some questions. I think that's super cool. I, I already feel like that's going to be a great little segment, like how Sarah quit her job and, you know, is now building a <laughs> resort through short term rentals effectively. Like that's super cool to hear.
1: Yeah. It's, I think it's attainable too for a lot of people. And I think we're in a place like in Atlantic Canada, where it's such a tourism hotspot that we can do it And every, every area. Like you're saying, you're not necessarily going to a spot within where you live, but where people do go to vacation or get away. Unless for a we bit.
0: find a way to ruin it, which we, we do know how, we are good at ruining things. We just say like, <laughs> yeah. let's get the government more involved in this. Banned that'll work Airbnb out well. in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that'll <laughs> work out perfectly fine. Let's
2: yeah. government knows I mean, best. At some point the rules change, right? This is like, and just to go back on this, like this midterm, opportunity i think like is still untapped and at some point the government will ruin it because that's just what they do but like it's that like 28 days or less is often you know subject to these bylaws but above that yeah uh, it's
0: uh, that 31st day
2: you know it's (laughs) it's a whole different round and I, i i can i will tell you that i wouldn't have done this before december 2020. Uh, In Ontario, and I can't speak for all of the, you know, every single province, but one of the things that my paralegal and I I had many discussions over, um, and he sent me uh, this case law, and it shows that like somebody didn't leave the property um, on Airbnb or, or whatever site that they booked on, and um, you know, they had to go through the board and then the board, what's actually interesting is they ruled in our favor saying that anything that is booked, you know, from a nightly stay through a, a site like Airbnb and VRBO, like even as if it's past that 28 day mark is not subject to the RTA. So what you do is you, you have your, your booking proof and then you have your case law and he's like, I've called the cops and they are just essentially trespassing and they remove them. And Ooh, there's a, love it. That you, yeah. So it's like, hmm. it's changed for like us. Yeah. Yeah, And awesome. at some point, you know, the government will come around and things will, will change again. But right now, it's a great, great start.
1: It's a wild west. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, a little
1: bit, yeah. So I guess yeah, the segue for our first question, really, with this being your income, real estate's your income, that's what you're living off of, interest rates are popping up. Do you have a concern that the pace and the amount that these are popping up, it's going to impact your monthly cash flow? to a point where it changes how you operate or is it like i'm just going to grow fast enough that i'm going to outpace this interest rate growth Um, because obviously we've all seen a few hikes we've had and now every bank's kind of suggesting that we're going to have a few more coming and i Mm -hmm. know for me like i was just saying yesterday i was looking at my whole portfolio and i kind of had an end of year target to have a certain amount of units finished and a certain cash flow from that and now i put in the new interest rate and i'm like wow that impacted it like a fair bit. like
0: Same too with development while you're waiting to break ground on those things and the rates just ticking up, ticking up, they don't really hold that rate for you. Yeah. You know, it, it changed the model a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't think I ever like put exactly what the rate, the current today's rate would have been when I stress test my stuff, right? Like am I, am I calculating 6%? No, but like I was probably, you know, at the three, the three and a half percent uh, interest rates as an example. So you probably do want to do you want to increase a little bit? Um, you know, are they going to increase? Of course, they're going to increase. Um, I think part of you know what I would suggest is like having having the long term as well as the midterm and the short term allows you at least pivot in the short and midterm. You know, without having all the regulations around the long term, what you can like for example in Ontario we can only increase one point two percent for anything that was built before uh, December of twenty eighteen. Uh, sorry, wow. November twenty eighteen. So Again, if, if the market uh, rents increase and you've got a new build, um, if the market rents increase and you've got your midterm, short term, you could probably go and, you know, adjust your, your rates uh, to help. And from a long-term rental standpoint, I mean, look, here's the thing is that if you're buying for cash flow um, and, you know, you're... You're at the bottom third of the market. You know, I never really buy it, like the luxury types of things. And I, you know, I will change and I will make better, you know, properties that need work. Um, I don't think that like we'll be hit as hard as maybe somebody who's got, you know, a two million dollar mortgage mm. and you know, they're barely breaking even and then all a a unit. Sudden, on that. Like if my mortgages are, you know three four hundred thousand five hundred thousand it's a lot different than a two million dollar mortgage yeah and I think with that I mean if you're looking at like a 0.25 increase what is that like eighteen dollars on every hundred grand per month
1: yeah 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 it's not it's not a crazy crazy amount um, with that did you would you say typically you're buying on like a variable open product and then going to a fixed term or do you find when you finish do you refinance variable like or are you finding like you're not gonna find much impact like I know for me I had a bunch of variable product that I'm already feeling the kind of the squeeze on and a bunch of renewals coming up. Um, mm-hmm. and now I'm kind of like, Hmm, I wonder if I should do a fixed term product, but, and I've always preached variable open. But I know, now I'm seeing this and I'm now yeah. I'm a little bit concerned. So I'm just got a curiosity. Do you find, is most of your money variable open or do you usually start with that, then finish up your project and take out it fixed?
2: I still like the flexibility.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and you know, I think right now, uh, as we're filming this and recording this, the difference between the variable and the fix wouldn't even make sense. Like with Mm -hmm. like even a certain number of of increases from a variable standpoint with where I'm at. And so, you know, I had to look at it with my mortgage broker and like, it probably still makes sense for for us to stay variable. Um, You know, is there a chance in the future I might go fixed maybe, but, I, I don't think it's time to, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't panic over it. I think ultimately if you go in your, in your fix today, you know, you'll have to look at the difference, but I, I don't think it's in people's best interest per se, unless you can't sleep at night if rates are going to go up. Cause they will, um, yeah. and you, you have to look at like where you're at from a variable standpoint versus where you would be from a fixed standpoint. And then just assume like four increases of where you're going to be from there. Are yeah. you better off? 100%. The
1: no. Interesting. Um, all right. We've now, we've harped the government a little bit How they ruin everything. And they've been busy for the last couple of weeks. So oh, yeah. today we wanted to dive into some of it. And I think we sent over a couple of questions to you. Um, so we just want to get your take on it because Chandler and I will go on and on and give our take. And we have a very similar opinion. So it's good to get somebody in a different part of Canada uh, doing a slightly different business. It's all real estate, but you're doing it in a different way than I think we're doing it. Um, so I'd be curious to hear what you think on, on these. So we'll, maybe we just start harping, harping through yeah, them. Yeah, and so,
0: some of these are proposed or tossed out in theory and not yet uh, Most come in, yeah. in, into legislation. But uh, housing was a big part of the federal platforms and the Liberals had a lot of these changes in mind and now they're actually talking about rolling them out. So number one, a ban on foreign investment in the residential real estate market for two years. So this would be um, foreign as in outside of Canada.
1: Foreign nationals, Yeah and they're unable to buy unless they are moving here, have a PR, uh, I think students were potentially allowed, but otherwise you can't just buy and not live here like for the par- purpose of parking cash or investment. Um, mm-hmm. So do you like all, Do you think there's actually any value in that in saving the market, like is that, they're saying they're doing it because it's gonna help out first time home buyers and, and locals buy homes. Do you think that's actually gonna have merit? And I, Like for us, I, our percentage of foreign buyers is so low I don't think yeah. we really think so, but I don't, I think everyone here is Ontario and BC are like
2: yeah. hot
1: spots for foreign money.
2: Here, here's my opinion. I think it's a lot of BS and ways yeah. to just vote on people that don't yeah. understand how it is. Yep. So in terms of a two-year ban, I mean, I think that we have such an inventory issue anyways, like, and you look at how many, I, I don't think they really realize like how little amount of that, you know, those foreign buyers are actually, buying? And then could they circumvent them? I mean, people are resourceful. Like we're all resourceful. Like the way that I'm thinking, I'm like, could you do a Canadian corporation? Uh, Could you do a JV with a Canadian that's in the country? hundred percent. Someone's going to be like, this
0: is ingenious. I'm going to be a proxy buyer for all these people.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end end of the day, I don't think that anything that they've ever done from a real estate standpoint has ever worked in the the manner that they were (laughs) going to work. Um, you know, and unfortunately it's just going to be a matter of, of, in my opinion, letting people build enough and letting people convert if they want to convert, remove the red tape. It's an inventory issue. Right. And it's, yeah. and it's, I think it's an immigration issue too. Uh, you know, if, if you want to reduce the price it's supply and demand, I'm not an economist, but this is just basic stuff. And so, you know, can they, can it do something where if they're banning somebody, you know, or, or people from. A two-year a two-year ban on investments. If you're not from here, I think that's just good. Like for somebody that has no clue what they're doing, to be like, they got my vote. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it? No, no, I don't think so. Like it might for like a month or two as people like figure out how to circumvent it, and they're gonna go find a solution.
0: Yeah, it it, it sounds good. I mean, it sounds slightly. Xenophobic, but like it sounds, <laughs> you know, to people who are like, "Oh yeah, this must be what's going on. These foreign investors are driving the price up." It's such a small part of less than ninety nine percent of like Canada's market. It, it is not even relevant. Obviously, in Toronto and Vancouver, it's a bit more prevalent. Um, but I, I think it's kind of a R thing. Um, this one, I'd be curious to see hear your take. And I, I don't have you ever flipped a property, but. Um, this uh, rumors about a full taxation on the profits as business income, if a property is sold within 12 months of the purchase.
2: I mean, I, I, again, in my opinion, and this is not politically correct necessarily, but like, I think it's all a bunch of BS to make it look like they're doing something because you can put things in a corporation and you can, you know, like what, what's the difference between what they're being like an actual active flipper is being taxed right now on that, but they're probably not putting in their name. They're putting in the corporation. So sure. If they want to get some votes that again, I don't think that there's anything different from before. Like, are they
1: They put a formalized timeline, which I'll give them a little bit of credit for, because I get this question a lot of like, how long do I have to hold this house for? And I'm like, it's a gray area. There's not actually a set amount of time. Well, that's
0: because it was always... There. That's people talking about capital gains, though. Yeah. Because there's two types of flippers. There's institutional flippers who are companies who, you know, uh, pay HST um, yeah. and who claim this as business income already. And then there's mom-and-pop operations who do one flip a year while it's their primary residence and sell so it. I think there's a lot of them. And, and that is that is the vast majority of, of flippers. Um, there's maybe... I mean, I, I can't even think... There's some people who put signs up around town to to buy distressed houses, but there's very few actual institutional business-run flipping uh, in our area. It's too hard to guarantee your inventory. Yeah, but there's a bunch of little people who do it just as a way to get ahead. So you're taking this tool that a lot of people are doing in order to make housing affordable and in order to play catch-up in a rapidly moving market and then effectively taking it away from them. It's counterintuitive because it's going to be really problematic for young people who – maybe aren't flipping in the business sense, but are buying a home, fixing it up, going to live there for six, eight months, and then selling it. Well, now they're going to have to live there for 12 months, um, mm-hmm. which is is fine. Um, right. But then again, to your point, there's either the people who are already doing it above board and paying taxes, and then there's younger people who are just trying to move between homes kind of quickly and might have a great opportunity to do so and cash in that are now gonna be hammered. And it's like, those are the people you wanna come after? I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, then they're, they're trying to come after the flippers. I'll, I'll tell you, I think Ontario is a little bit different, like from a flipping standpoint. I mean, maybe just cause I'm in the industry, but it is a lot of people that are are doing it for a living, but they're already paying the taxes. And so, yeah. but yeah, great. Like it's you're now they're, they're crushing the little people that are trying to get ahead. Like you said, the people that are just getting started. And I, I mean, again, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. So like what it's eight months versus 12 months. I mean, you just do a long close.
1: Yeah. Well, as I was going to say, I feel yeah. like, it's been like 12 months and one day. There's going to be a bunch of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I find it's, it's the capital gains question that we get more. And it's like, well, either you're doing this as your home and you're living in it and you're fixing it and you're going to sell it. And you might sell five homes over seven years Exempt. to get ahead. Ooh. Well, that's if that's legitimate, you know, capital right. gains kind of the honor system. If it's legitimate, you're free and clear. But if you are doing this actively as a business, never living in the property, it's like, yeah, you already should have been paying you know, business tax and potentially HST and and all these things, depending Mm -hmm. on the scope of the renovation. So it might put a little bit more attention on it to tighten things up in our market where it hasn't really been addressed maybe as as well as has been in yours. But the idea that this will slow or change anything, if anything, it's going to hurt some smaller people, I think.
1: I I agree. I I think they just need to rid of some of the gray area because it's always been something that's not formalized. So I think there's some value in this, but I, I do think they're targeting the wrong people. I think there'll be a lot of exemptions that need to be put on those. If they put a bunch of exemptions that allow certain people to do it, I think that makes it okay. Um, this next one is interesting. Assignment sales will be levied, GST and HST. Yeah. well, the, uh, Which I think assignment's way bigger in Ontario. Like, I feel like, because we don't have a ton of common developments here, and I feel like that's where most assignments take place. Um, yeah. And that's also where the GSC, HST becomes more applicable, too, because they're, well, they have... I don't even know how the GST HST works in Ontario. How does that work in Ontario right now? GST HST on, on pre-condos. Like, is there, is that that's basically just included in the purchase price or they don't charge, um, HST sales on tax. sales tax on new property?
2: There is a rebate. Yeah. So I don't like. this is not really my strategy per se, but from mm-hmm. what my understanding is, is that there's a rebate. I think it's like 20. So like, depending if the developer, uh, you know, has it included or not, if you are, renting it there's a rebate 24 grand and then you got to like go and get it back from the government as an example but I think what they're talking about here with the assignment sale is you know you're buying something uh with like a 10 percent down and you're hoping to you know have it appreciate before it closes Mm -hmm. and then sign the contract and I think that there was a bit of a gray area at that point and I think they're closing the loop on that of being able to, um, you know, now charge the tax on there. And I don't think that like, again, I'm not an accountant, but I don't think that was being looked at as carefully because if they're making a hundred grand off flipping a contract, yeah, there should be tax on there.
0: This is one I actually agree with because uh, this was true speculative buying, Like this was nothing yeah. other than speculative buying. Mm-hmm. And so when you are purchasing something with, the sole plan to resell it like that is a business endeavor, uh, which is a bit different than, especially when the thing doesn't even exist, right? You're purchasing pre-construction. And we had someone come into the office and try to pitch these. And the buildup was like three years. And I kind of said, to them, like, "Um, you know, the government's coming for you, man. Like this is not going to, they're not going to let people continue to flip these pieces of paper for hundreds of thousands of dollars tax-free. They're going to lock this down. And where it is entirely speculative, that to me, makes a a bit of sense. I guess my question would be when you buy new construction, there's HST on that purchase or or sales tax on that purchase. Then Mm -hmm. when you reassign it for say $100,000 more, is it going to be additional HST on that $100,000? I guess that's probably what it would be, uh, which makes sense because the true value of that new construction wasn't right. capturing all of the HST components so or or mm-hmm. I keep we say HST out here because it's harmonized blended tax but um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I actually HST as well yeah okay um so this is what I actually feel makes sense and was legitimate because a lot of these projects the only reason they were getting out of the ground was because they had a bunch of pre-sales from people who had zero intent of ever closing on on those properties
2: does that not make you nervous though okay so like here, here's the thing is that there's there's going to be some turbulent i mean whatever 2025 is when we can get finally get rid of of you know these these people in government right now i don't know what they're doing but you know we can't get rid of them until 2025 so we are going to be in for a ride how much of a ride i don't know um but to me like there is investments that make sense and then there's investments that are very speculative in certain times yeah. And this this buying and waiting and then your only exit being to assign it and buying a lot of these where you don't expect to close. You have no clue what's going to be the situation, the market, the rates, the mortgage totally. in three years from now. This is when and they
0: pitched it at our office. I was like, I don't know about this, guys.
1: I, the one thing I'll say for value, I like assignments. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only – so I I, I totally – I think it does suck that the prices go up a ton in the end consumer. Well,
2: you're and so.
0: talking assignments that are done in three to six months on existing pr- product. But even for the condos.
2: On product, but are you pl- just planning on flipping the contract or are you planning on closing? Because if you can at least close, but there's – what I don't like is people that are buying like 10 of them and their only exit is going to be to assign it. That yeah. – you never know. And if if you can't assign it because we're in a different market at that point in time, you're closing on all these tenders You're losing a lot of money.
1: Totally. Which so I totally I totally agree with that. So the two things. So I personally have not done pre-construction condos or with the long ones. I've done existing stuff and I've reassigned it within three to six months. Uh, and I actually did do. Uh, we basically boiled it back. So if I made whatever it was, let's say 115k, we took the 15 and, and labeled it as HST. You did. We did. Yeah. Oh. But that's because we ran through a sales corporation, so it kind of yep. made sense as active business income, and like I was charging it as a service. That's why we did it. Right, but looking okay. back on it, it also does kind of make sense. Um, but. More so, the only reason I kind of, I'm okay with the condo flipping thing, outside of the fact that I think it's a bit nuts that they put down 10%, let's say it'd be 50 grand deposit, and they flip them over for another 100 grand a year later, is it's like any other product. You sometimes do need a middle wholesaler, because unfortunately the average consumer doesn't necessarily have the foresight or is not prepared to buy their home three years in advance. Yeah. And so this allows these buildings to get out of the ground. That's- and then there's product available it's like it's like a superstore right like i don't know that i'm gonna want chips on the weekend and so i can't <laughs> pre-order my chips direct from lays so superstore orders 100 bags they throw them on the shelf and then i can buy one and i'm paying a markup like lays is only getting a buck superstore is getting the other buck
0: i love this analogy but it's
1: it's the same kind of thing to me so that's why i'm like i that's the only reason i'm okay with it but it, it, it is nuts and i do know a lot of these people are putting them under contract with no intent to close So i'm like it allows the inventory to, to go up.
0: And, and to your point, we're saying that we need more inventory. And if these guys cannot sell these pre-construction things en masse, they cannot get financing and the building will not get built. And then we have a different problem. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because they are trying to build in. Uh, otherwise, you're saying we want to build in three years worth of appreciation. We've got to price them at this price yeah. in order to get the end value. And they'd never um, sell. And, and they would never sell. So this is another scenario where, depending on how this is handled, you um, it could actually stifle, uh, like it's going to lower the returns on these assignments, which could in turn lower the number of new constructions built,
1: uh, new construction yeah. units built. Yeah,
2: that's a
1: good point. So, but mm. anyways, I was I was just thinking about it like that when I had that price moment.
0: of Lace chips. Yeah, but the
1: chips are crazy. <laughs> going to our next one, and we've talked about this a bit before: the Homebuyer's Bill of Rights. It yeah. was quite a laid-out document with some pretty serious stuff thrown in there. Um, the biggest one and Chandler and I are freaking out about it. And I don't know if you looked at it too much is the idea of removing blind bidding, um, using an open bidding system online where you can, everyone can see it. And have you heard about this yet? I don't know if you, yeah,
2: I I have. I mean, I think they do it in Australia, right? And I don't think it's Australia.
0: Um, it it isn't currently, but we're going to talk a lot about that, but this is getting picked up a lot this week's news cycle because they kind of snuck this little release out there. And like all these things, they don't say how it's going to be implemented, who's going to be implementing it. When is it going to be implemented? They just like, Hey, by the way, we're doing this. We think at some point and, um, Mm -hmm. the ramifications could be, could be huge. Right. And buyers want this to have transparency. Um, but what do you think it's going to do for the market? Do you think it's going to slow things down? Do you think it's not going to make any dent? I mean, you're out there buying, right? Would you like to see this? Our seller's not going to subscribe.
2: I mean, I I think I think I'm still up in the air about how this is all going to work out because, you know, if if you've got like it's just like an auction, right? Like sometimes the auction could make it way worse because you've got you know three, four, five people that are like, I'm getting this house no matter what, and then they keep bidding and bidding and bidding. Is it going to make a difference? I don't know. The only thing I would just say is like, look at. Australia and just see if it helped I don't know if it really helped to be honest I don't think it has I think it's made it worse if anything but um, you know from from a buyer standpoint you know would I like to see potentially you know if it was just like the one outlier right that's like 100k more and everybody else was in the same place like could that help that person maybe I don't know I I don't think I have an opinion about that one yet I think it could go both ways but it'll be interesting if they do that how they're going to implement it and how fast, I don't know. That's an what do interesting
1: And in, that's an interesting thought because it's like I, I know we always talk about how like when there's twenty offers, like seventeen of them or eighteen of them are all no fifteen of them are in the same wheelhouse, a couple are just super low, and then a couple are super high. Um, but they're not always, always super high. And sometimes the outliers, maybe there's not that many outliers. And I might actually like you're saying, it might eventually end up causing the opposite where I know a lot of people are like, oh, if I knew it I was gonna go for exactly.
0: that. Exactly. That's what I was about to ask. How many times has buyer said, Well, if I only if I knew it was only gonna go for that, I would have gone seven grand higher. It's like, Well, right. now you will know and you and will have just that keep, option. It'll yeah. just
1: keep like taking up. So it might yeah. end up actually being I guess a benefit for sellers, but it could end up actually pushing things up even more so because everyone knows what's going for, but I think it'll help to like level things out. a little It'll, bit. it'll
0: improve the trust factor because right now there's a yeah. lot of mistrust of the industry and of sellers and of agents. And uh, so it'll hopefully, hopefully improve that. Uh, but again, they just threw that out there to the world that, Hey, we're going to look at doing this and, um, no it's one really another knows,
2: boat, right. Is it just something else to throw in the bucket so that people that are trying to buy their first home are always being outbid and outbid. And they're like, Oh, this would help.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like I like, you know, th- this is hugely, hugely politically motivated. I mean, we're having a, a situation here where we're going to be taxing out of province people. And these are a lot of people who come here in the summer months, similar to you've got that area that you're investing in as, as people go there. A lot of people mm-hmm come to these small areas of Nova Scotia and they spend a whole summer there and they pour money into that economy, um, both in terms of consumer restaurants, the products they buy, but also they donate to the charities there locally. Um, You know, they take part in the local theater, like all of these things that help these communities thrive. And in a total publicity stunt to, you know, pander to voters who are experiencing housing crisis in urban areas... They do this thing that just hurts these other places, and it's so so frustrating.
2: That's a five percent increase, right? That they were five percent additional tax on anybody that doesn't permanently live there. Five on
1: the
0: D transfer, two percent on your on property tax.
1: What? Yeah, and you guys already have one, correct? But it's for foreign nationals.
2: Have one? What?
1: A, you don't have an inter, tax. They
0: don't have an interprovincial one, but they do have a foreign buyers tax in Toronto, don't they?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's foreign national. How much is the foreign national tax?
2: I, I want to say I think it was 15% when Kathleen yeah, put it together. Like that.
1: yeah. That's insane on a
0: house. Holy. Well, but but again, these are for houses for people that are not living there, right? Like these are pure investment housing, which probably isn't as m- big of a part of the market as, as we would think. But this is where In we're theory? saying it to other provinces. We're just like yeah. flat out.
2: Yeah, like, right. This is. This, I think it's inter is way worse than than foreign. Because here's the thing: if, if you're somebody in China that wants to get your money out of China because you just want it to be safe, a 15% increase is probably not gonna you know do much. But then you know like they go somewhere else. They they yeah. doesn't have to be. They, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, like that percentage is so small. They're you know unfortunately, I think they're just targeting the wrong things, or they're just targeting things that they think that their voters they're are gonna targeting be.
0: the media. To target voters is what they're doing. But yeah. okay. um I mean these people that come here all summer, they don't use our healthcare system. Um, you know, they don't use our school system, like they don't use any of our, you know, resources really. Right? Yeah. All they do is bring money. And we're like, Bring more. Yeah, the, the other right. Give us more. Like it's it's anyway, it's it's yeah sad.
1: Um, next one we have on the list, this one, I'm gonna skip this one. We didn't really get too much information on, but just making buildings and homes greener. I think that's good, honestly. Like Although it's going to drive up the cost of the houses, uh, a lot of the new homes are built pretty thin. Let's say I don't buy. I mean, people always criticize
0: new construction. It's so much better than old construction. It, it, it
1: yeah. is. It is. But I still think it could be a lot better.
0: Sure, but we have to realize like we can either make the world super green or we can make the world super affordable.
1: Uh, they are the not. The, they the are thing.
0: not going to be the same. Yeah. And this is an ongoing, ongoing struggle.
1: Um. Anyways, on moving on to the next one. So this, it says, a one-time five hundred dollars payment to individuals facing housing affordability challenges that should do it yeah what well, i don't know again affordability
2: we would, challenges yeah. and they need that 500 they're facing a lot of other challenges right is that really going to be applying to anything no.
1: i don't know how it's going to change i again i feel like i feel like this again is, is that that jab for like a voter person like to get the vote it's like oh yeah, if yeah. we send everyone 500 bucks a few will be happy and they'll show up and be afford- interested
2: is it affordability to buy or affordability to rent
1: I think it's to rent. To I rent. think it's sort of like if you are
0: um, housing compromise or housing at risk, you'll qualify for this and you'll get that check. And it'll come like courtesy of the liberals and the federal government. Um, <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, man, like this is what I'm talking about. Like a $500
1: yeah. bill with Trudeau's face. Yeah. Um, this is. These, they,
2: really fix, that they really need to fix like the residential tenancies act and the board and like make things like you know, a little bit easier if there's a non-paying tenant for us to be able to remove them properly without having to wait 10 months. Because now, you know, like I, I think personally, I think that like we're even more diligent and picky on who we have come in. So 100%. like probably somebody that needs that 500, you know, may not even qualify based on, you know, their income criteria and different, different things that we look at because we have to make sure that we're going to be, you know, okay to, to, you know, get paid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Moving forward, and all this stuff, all the government should be doing is focusing on off-market, publicly provided housing to meet deep affordability.
1: But that we—it's not too because it sounds like it's only five hundred bucks, but it's also like it's like, it always ends up being like fifty million dollars that they set aside, and I'm like, could that not go, like, wouldn't have strength to use that towards, whether even just building something or putting it towards something a little bit more functional? So five hundred is going to get burnt. In two to seconds. your point,
0: like just to roll out that tax collection program. Right. Of whatever amount they're spending, seven hundred thousand dollars, which we know it's government's going to end up being about one point five million dollars just to roll that program out to collect these taxes from people who aren't are from outside of the province. So they're going to spend a million dollars getting it in place to to, to try to get this thing in place, um, which is going to have really negative ramifications like maybe like put that million dollars towards actual housing somewhere. The only yeah. thing I can
1: sort of think is it gives it gives a bit of ugh, economic growth because you're hiring some people and all that. like that's how the government can inject money while creating work.
0: Ugh, man, but like the economic growth was already happening because those people are coming to those towns <laughs> and spending money, <laughs> True. right? Like these towns do not want this, and it's like whoa, whoa, like why are you, why are you making our area more expensive for these people when we are actively trying to bring them here? Yeah, actively like when the economy dipped over in Europe, um, the the decline in. Uh, the tourism industry in these countries was was terrible, or, or in these like little areas was terrible because that was their whole economy for six months of the year, where these Europeans, these Americans, and these uh, folks coming to these communities and spending money. Right, yeah. and you're, we're basically now saying, well, we don't want them anyway, and and that's a, a decision made at the provincial level without actually consulting those those small towns. But it's just um, making me
1: think, though, that what you're doing with the resort would make more sense now because nobody's going to want to buy, but they will still come. But they'll do short-term rentals or month-long rentals or two-month-long yeah. rentals. But you
0: can't buy anything here because we would also tax you. <laughs> yeah, true. So. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Anyway, so on to the next one. The next one, I think, actually has some value. It's a new TFSA program. I'm not sure if you saw that, but they're kind of blending the TFSA and the RRSP. Um, they're saying first-time homebuyers will be able to save up to forty grand tax free um, and claim the contributions as deductions on their tax returns and then also any money that's made within that TFSA can then would be withdrawn, uh, withdrawn towards buying a home uh, and not be taxed as well.
2: So can I ask a follow-up question? Because I, I I'm not that familiar with this one. So yep. essentially, you're, they're saying that you can withdraw the tax-free savings um, amount yep. and you don't lose that contribution room for that year. Is that, is that maybe what it is? Because you can withdraw tax-free from the tax-free savings account anyways.
1: Yeah, So, but what I guess the difference really becomes now is there's also saying, I think it's tax-free on both ends. Basically, you can put the money in the account tax-free as if it's an RRSP, and then you can withdraw it as if it's a TFSA. So they're blending the two as a hybrid, oh. um, hmm. which I do think is, is yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I guess if they're looking at a couple, I was going to say, because the other thing is the average home price is eight, like 800 grand across Canada. So 40 mm. grand is not going to even cover your down payment and closing costs. Yeah,
2: um, I mean even 5%. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and on, the, on the
0: flip end of it though, is like there's <laughs> so many people that say like, if I could save $40,000 to begin with, like I maybe wouldn't be in this challenge, right? Like, um, so... But but it's mm-hmm. going to help some people, and that one has very little outside ramifications, right? It, it impacts the people that are in that situation, but it doesn't yeah. damage. It. It's not at the expense of anything else, and uh, doesn't take a not. lot of yeah, and doesn't take a lot of uh, you know. Uh,
2: of, sorry, I was going to say, there's a lot of people that have like the like companies matches too, right? So they can probably save it faster that way. Yeah
1: combination between, and you get no tax. That, that's actually pretty, yeah, I like that. It, basically, they made it even better than it was, and they've removed taxes from both ends. Because really, the TFSA and the RSP were, I don't want to say a trick, but, like, you're still just paying the taxes. Like, it was, I, at one end... It's deferred were, taxes. Yeah, it was just yeah, deferred yeah, taxes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all it really was. I uh, know there
0: was a subheading in this, too, like a link from this article that's like, could a new tax on homes worth $1 million and up help fix Canada's housing crisis? This is the solution right now, because the government's pitting, you know, those who have property especially higher-end property and those that are struggling to get property. They're pitting them against each other. And this idea is like tax, tax, tax. Every Normally people hate taxes, but when it's a tax on someone you perceive as your enemy, all of a sudden people love the tax. As if, you know, yeah. we all say like, you know, the government's wasteful. They, they don't implement things effectively. Um, they're not reliable. They they waste these tax dollars. Oh, but you're going to tax my enemy? Oh, yeah, tax them through the roof. It'll It'll be great. Um,
2: and this is for like primary residences, like so sales on your primary that you've been living. So somebody could be banking yeah. on this as their retirement income.
0: Yeah. Like in our area, we've got this section of town it's the most expensive real estate, the south end. And there are little widowers in there, you know, who who've been there for um you know 40 years, and they're maybe now at the point where they can go do some sort of assisted living, and that would all be paid for by the fact that they can get well over a million dollars for their property they're coming for that. Like they're doing uh, a new study on the implications of a capital gains tax on primary residence sales. Like this is happening. If, you, if, yeah. if we continue to keep the liberals in power, they are going to charge you capital gains on the sale of your house. Like know that. Don't be naive. To, and, and maybe you think that's awesome. But if you're a homeowner, I can't imagine any scenario in which you think that is a good idea, but that is what you are voting for unequivocally they're studying it they're continuing to study it they do not do these studies without the plan to implement and how that's going to affect aging demographic it's it's terrible and again what do we think they're going to do with this extra tax money have they done anything awesome with the tax money we've given them so far right we've been giving them this tax money for decades have they fixed housing yet
2: we're in this situation right now because of all the money printing that they're doing. Right. And so like, of course they have to get it back in some way. I think this is going to piss off a lot of people, uh, especially in bigger markets because there isn't anything you can buy for less than a million. So, you know, like you think of the, you're not really buying anything for less than that at this point in time, unless you're in a condo potentially. Yeah. So I, I, I don't see that going so well. And like, you know, I don't know how, like what the percentage is exactly in, in, in 2022 with like renters versus like homeowners in in certain pockets where things are majoritively over a million, but it's like your birthright as a Canadian that like your primary residence is untaxed. Like you go to the U S and they have like 10, 1031 exchanges. Like we don't have any of that. So, you know, and that's for investing a different thing. I get it, but like, you know, ultimately I think they're, I think this is going to actually hurt, hurt them potentially for, yeah. you know, of the votes that they're getting and let's face it like a lot of the votes that they're getting right now is in the GTA that I think that's one of the reasons that they're still in power right now because a lot of provinces didn't didn't vote back true yeah
1: yeah so I'm kind of want to go off here for a sec but like (laughs) these taxes almost well they do they always actually cause an increase in the price eventually so you reference a 1031 exchange in the states because of that and everyone's like all the rich people are saving all these taxes the average rent in the States is like half of what it is in Canada. The average home cost is like half of what it is in Canada. Because all that happens when these taxes have to be paid is they just get levied into the price. Like Totally. Like, anyone it cha- who wants to it's going to
0: change the number that the person is going to need to get for the property in order to sell it. Every time we approach an investor about selling their inco- their investment property. It's based on the capital gains. Ah, like, oh, I would love to sell it to you for this, but that damn capital gains, i got to sell it for more. How is that going to be different when people go to sell their home and they're like, I would have sold it for this. But man, with these taxes, I got to sell it for this. And that is a basic, like, economics 101. Like, the first week of the course, you should be able to take that knowledge from it. And it's just absent in a lot of the rationale for what they do here.
1: It's going to cause the opposite. That's the thing that I don't think anyone's looking at. And again, I like that you referenced 1031 because that is like a proof of concept that, yeah, it saves tax for the investors, which boils directly down to the people renting. And that's why you can literally go to almost any American city outside of like downtown New York and rent a place for it like also, $700. It also increases that's inventory,
0: nice. right? And increases the inventory changing hands, which gives more people an opportunity to have ownership and brings down prices. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we we covered so much here. I know you're super busy um, and, and probably off to, to something else. Um, but super high level, where do you suggest people invest their money right now, like location type of property? Like What are you seeing out there that gets you excited?
2: I mean, I don't think that there's like a specific strategy, but I would say, you know, anything that like on the exit that you can add some value and recycle your money without banking on appreciation that's still cash flows, I like, right? So value add. I mean, we, we yeah. got, you know. Properties that we're converting to multi, you know, small multis. We have, uh, I think there's a great opportunity that's still very untapped of commercial conversions to residential. Uh, we're working on the 22 unit, uh, you know, in, in Hamilton uh, on that. I think there's also still an opportunity to be creative with the cash flow and go into that short term, midterm. Again, short term is not for every single market. You've got to just make sure you have, don't have any bylaws, but, you know, increase your cash flow so that you can take some of the increases that are going to happen with, with, um, the rates, cause they are going to go up and you don't want to be all in one type of market. So I think it's important to diversify, but, but also, you know, this is where you might not want to do certain things like buying a million dollar condo, hoping to sign it and buying five of those, you know, like, so I think there's strategies for this time. We're going into some turbulent times, exactly how, and and, and how it's going to all play out. No idea. No idea. But uh, if you, if you buy for cash flow and you buy knowing that the, you know, you're going to do some renos or some value add and work, yeah. other comp- are, you know, around a certain price, you work backwards and you're mitigating some of the risks. Again, there's always risks, but that's probably what I would do. And if you can take one of those units or two or three, boost up cash flow with a, a short and midterm type of strategy. Um, I mean, again, there's lots of strategies, but that's the one I like the most right now.
1: Location-wise, are you saying, like we kind of discussed it earlier, like it's a little scary if you're in these places that are a million dollars a unit or $800,000 a unit, would you suggest to people to say like, everyone says location 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 and if there is a bit of a slowdown bit of a downturn location is very prevalent and important but to get into those areas now is expensive so would you say don't be afraid to go into maybe smaller communities or slightly outside of town
2: yeah because ultimately your price of acquisition is probably going to be less and you're probably going to cash flow better in those smaller areas and here's the thing is if, if the markets go down, I think I was reading something and said about 24%, is that possible? Sure. Um, you know, you, but you don't realize that loss and unless you sell and you panic, right? And so mm-hmm. you're going to be able to take that, that up and down. If you've got, you know, a property in, as an example, maybe one of those smaller markets where you're at least covering all your costs and then some every single month. And if the rates go up, you know, three, four five times, you're still cash flowing. So I think it's just about, you know, being diligent, don't overpay for something. Don't get into the, yes. the weeds of things like overbidding and being the 20th you know best offer i won the bid and i was the top you know the top of 20 that's that's usually not a good sign uh you know and and the other thing too is like do you want all your money in the country right i'm i'm considering costa rica and you know other opportunities where uh very easily you can, love yeah, costa
0: rica. Right?
2: so like i'm 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 working with somebody that that's looking at a, a four unit uh build out but ultimately you partners
1: do you want partners? us hey, I just came back. I was looking down there as well. We love right. Costa Rica.
2: Let's talk for sure. But here's the thing is I don't know what's going to happen to this country. Are we going to be locked down in the fall again? If so, I want to be able to leave. And I also like that there are going to be some countries again. This is not just Costa Rica. I'm sure there's other ones um, that, you know, with $150,000 investment, just 150000 There's other ways you can go there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply for your, your residency. Uh, and then once you have your, your temporary one, you can mm-hmm. apply for your
0: Oh, my so God, I could be Costa Rican. I that
2: with a certain <laughs> amount of income per month, and it's very doable. So I'm like, I want to have at least an an out because I'm not going to go through another year of these nonsense lockdowns. Again, my opinion, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't want to offend anybody, but, like, uh, you know, I don't think that this was necessarily the right strategy uh, to go about. And so if I need to get out of the country next time this happens, I want to have an out.
0: Oh, my gosh. We. Like we joked before that we need to start charging tourism Costa Rica because we're promoting the country so much. But uh, <laughs> seriously, love Costa Rica. Would love to. You you keep us posted on that. Because, yes. You know. You know. I know you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, but uh, let us know. We'll rent one of your units. Um. Listen, I'm so excited about everything that's going great for you. Um. Glad to see it. I think it's a really cool story. Um. Really quick, we like to ask people what success means to them. So, what does success mean to to you?
2: I mean, for me, it's about lifestyle, right? It's about having not another nine to five job or 12 to 12 job or however it is. And I think it's just about like enjoying my life and just, you know, enjoying the people around me, being happy, doing what I want to do, enjoying my lifestyle, being on the dock in the summer. Uh, You know, that to me, that is success, uh, having good relationships, having good health. Um, You know, the, the financial success comes with it, but I think it's just important not to be you know, one, only one, you know, of the pillars, uh, successful. So, uh, I'm a big proponent of like time and freedom and lifestyle. Uh, and so that to me is, is much more important than any, any specific one deal you do the deals for the lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is your partner still a cop or did he just
2: he is actually for the last month and then he's, he's taking a year off and hopefully he'll be off for even longer. So um, that actually just got approved and yeah, it's exciting. So we, uh, which is, which is now, you know, allowing us to potentially while we're moving to the cottage and all that good stuff, but allowing ourselves to, you know, maybe leave the country altogether if we want to.
0: Very, very cool. That's exciting. Let's just wrap up here, but tell everyone where they can find you um, handle where they can track you down.
2: I mean, the best, the best thing would be my website, Larby.com. We are putting together a retreat for investors and entrepreneurs, August 9th, 10th, and 11th at the resort. So anybody that is interested, spots are limited, but it's going to be like all-inclusive. we got like my chef that's making all the food. Uh, we've got like unlimited drinks, like alcoholic. We've got like a pontoon bow. We're going to do uh, workshops, real estate talks, obviously. Uh, we've got some great speakers and all that stuff. So if they want to know more about that, they can send me an email, sarah at I used to give out my Instagram, but, you know, my Instagram got hacked and Instagram's not helping me. So uh, unless I get it back, I probably won't go back on it for a while.
1: Right on. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that is that is frustrating. We, we haven't had that, actually. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks for coming on. That That's super exciting. I, I'm with Chandler. I think it's neat that you started from a place that people can see as very uh, attainable and then also did a very different path than the two of us because I think everyone's heard our story 100 times. So it's neat to see that someone did, like, the short-term, mid-term, and that allowed you to kind of grow through. And now you're doing – you're really doubling down on that by building the resort and kind of going forward.
0: And everyone always asks about the financing, where'd you get the money and all that stuff. So everyone check out the website, reach out to Sarah, get a little bit more uh, info. So, Amazing. All awesome.
2: Right. Thank you so much Thanks, guys. Sarah.
0: Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week.
1: When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.